Hi there, I'm Patrick. I run a small business called Charlie's Coffee Co. It's named after my dog Charlie and I roast coffee. This is my interview show. It's called Grounds Up. Basically, I sit down with a bunch of cool people who are doing interesting things and have a conversation with them over a bunch of cups of coffee. It's a super original format that I didn't steal from any other YouTube interview show. Uh, today on the show, I am joined by Charlie Adams. She's an incredibly talented singer and songwriter. Um, she started her musical journey at a super young age before taking a big leap and moving from her small town in Alabama at the age of 17 to pursue music in Nashville. She released her first EP in uh, 2020. It's called Good at Being Young and her debut album Bullseye in 2021. We get into some deep conversations on this episode and have a lot of fun talking about music, writing, religion, spirituality, as well as her latest EP and unreleased album. Um, it was such an honor having Charlie on the show, and I really hope you enjoy our conversation. So grab yourself a cup of coffee, get cozy, and uh, kick back and enjoy the show. Charlie Adams, welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you so much for coming. Um, I'm so stoked to have you. Huge fan of your music. Um, and just, I feel like, yeah, your music has gotten me through a lot of things and um, resonate with a lot of like what you sing about and your experience. So, yeah, cool. um, so stoked to have you. So stoked to chat today. Um, and I hear you're a coffee lover as well. So big time. Perfect pairing here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I've been drinking coffee since I was like seven years old so I love it <laughs> amazing yeah. um okay so can you talk to me a little bit about your relationship with coffee before we dive in to kind of totally. sipping on some good stuff so like my pop growing up always made like Folgers coffee old-fashioned um and it was just like always a smell in the house and then yeah my mom would order coffee after dinner every night and I just thought it was like so fancy and cool of her and mm -hmm. so when I was like seven I asked if I could drink coffee after dinner with her and so yeah my intro to coffee was after dinner before bed at seven years old so I <laughs> I'm like a coffee extremist maybe I like drink it <laughs> in the off hours amazing yeah I love and respect the people who can do um coffee after like I don't know 2 p.m because I feel yeah. like I struggle to do I mean it's probably a really. sign it's probably a sign of like it being a desensitized to coffee but nonetheless <laughs> yeah. I sleep like a baby so yeah, it's fine absolutely so the way that this show kind of works is I sure I heard you watched a few episodes so mm -hmm. um, you kind of already know the drill but we'll basically go my side to your side mm -hmm. and we'll start off um, with a coffee from Costa Rica Cool. This is a coffee roaster called Verve, and they actually got started in Santa Cruz, which I, I spent a little bit of time when I like just moved to California. In. Oh, um, cool! So it's a it's a really special place, and these guys are awesome, and they do great stuff. So cool! Yeah. Is there a particular reason for the order? Yeah, a little bit. So part of it is kind of region. So. 
the way that um, I at least approach coffee roasting, or at least the stuff we're going to try today, mm-hmm. is kind of under the umbrella term of like specialty. Um, so it's like really high end beans that are roasted in a way that's like meant to bring out the kind of origin characteristics of that nice. region. So kind of similar to wine. If you hear people talk about wine, yeah. a lot of that language is kind of similar. So. Cool. Yeah. I, this is going to be the fanciest coffee I've ever had probably. <laughs> well, I'm so stoked for you to try it. And there's no wrong answers. Cool. So if you don't like any of them, like it's totally okay. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So thoughts on this first one? Yummy. Okay. It's really good. How does it compare to what you normally it's drink? giving ch- notes of cherry maybe. Oh, yeah. That's Are a you good getting one. that? Yeah, here. And let me, um, I'll give you the bag and you can kind of check it out. And uh, Oh my God, Concord grape? Yeah. Maybe that's what I was channeling. You got a, you got a nose and a tongue for it, so you're nailing it. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, like I said, like my, I'm not maybe the most trusted source, like, because I drink just like diner drip coffee, but this is... This is going to be fun That's to know what I'm talking though. about. I mean, you already seem like you got it down. So <laughs> I like <laughs> you're this a natural. Um, so the first kind of topic that I want to touch on, obviously, music is mm-hmm. uh, what you're known for and what you're so talented at. Um, so I'm really curious to ask kind of a couple questions about your experience with music, writing and a few other things. So cool. we'll touch on um Kind of first off, I know that you started pursuing music from like a really young age, even like leaving home to go to Nashville at like yeah. 17 to go pursue music. Yep. Um, and maybe even earlier than that, some pictures of you in a recording studio at like four years old. Okay, so you saw that. Yeah, okay, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious like what you remember with uh, your relationship to music at that really young age. Like it, when did you know it was something that you wanted to pursue? Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I was for as long as I can remember, like, cutting up little tickets for the show for my family and, like, forcing them to watch my song and dance. I, like, love to perform for people. So my family kind of, like, thought that was the extent of it for a bit. And then, yeah, at four years old, I went to my mom and was like, I want to go to a recording studio. And she was like, okay. And she found someone in a Yellow Pages um named Chip Searcy, shout out, um, in Mobile, Alabama. And we went and he gave me this one specific song that had like yodeling in it. It was so random. (laughs) And he was like, go memorize this and then come back. So that was my first song ever recorded. Super wild card. It's on the internet somewhere. Really? Um, Yeah. And yeah, it was, I sound like a 90-year-old smoker. It's so funny. (laughs) As like a four-year-old who could not read even. Um, So I loved music. I also have like a really deep memory of my karaoke machine. And I had this like mix CD that had like all these different karaoke songs. And I was obsessed with Concrete Angel by Martina Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Wait, is it? It, I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's right. Concrete Angel, really sad song about like an (laughs) abused child. It's very sad. It's like a very sad song, but I would sit and like stare at the screen and just like sing this really devastating song and my mom was like is she okay (laughs) but I loved the drama of it all I like have always been so moved by music I love music and so yeah my parents I was lucky they like took it seriously and my mom took me to Nashville we met a bunch of people and like I just faithfully met a bunch of people that I felt like really seen by Mm. and yeah I just wanted to be there all the time and so Yeah, I moved to Nashville and told my mom, I was like, I'll be fine. I'm going to move here by myself and do high school online. And so I did that and just got in the, I kind of like had a 
lucky start of like doing it the sort of old fashioned way and like in a scene. And I'm like really grateful for that because I feel like it helped me develop as an artist just in like a comforting small scale. And it was really, yeah, the right way to do it for me, I think. Yeah. No, that's so interesting. I, I've just heard so many people struggle a lot with music and getting started and Mm -hmm. moving to Nashville and like doing that for ages and ages and so yeah I just kind of like I I didn't because I didn't go to college for it or anything and so that wasn't I feel like that's kind of one of the main reasons people do it is for like the connections and so Mm. I was just like I'm gonna go I got a fake ID and (laughs) went to all the like clubs and the shows and just introduced myself to people and just kind of did it the and was just playing so many shows and Mm. I feel like that was just so good for me as an artist yeah and discovering music too because like I grew up in a in like a musical family in a way, but it was a lot of a lot of what I heard was um, radio music. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like did a lot of discovery of what I loved yeah. in Nashville those years. Yeah, I actually am curious. I have a question here. So I know you talked a little bit about this in some other interviews you've done about how you had like some big musical gaps um, when you moved to Nashville and you were kind of like rediscovering yeah. a ton of artists that you like maybe missed out on. Um, but I'm curious, Number one, like, what are some of those first artists that you remember, like, it being introduced to? Yeah. And then do you feel like it was any benefit to you maybe having less exposure to some other music and things like that? Like, That's such a good question. Yeah, I definitely, because it, it feels like I found those artists at the right time. So there was, like, a my car, my first car in Nashville was one with a CD player. And so I went to this little CD shop called McKay's in Nashville and they had like this $1 bin and I would just grab CDs that I thought looked cool. Yeah. And then I would go for a drive and listen to them. And luckily the ones I thought looked cool were cool because (laughs) who knows what would have happened if like the first CD I bought was like Pearl Jam or something. But it was like, I found, um, I found the cure that way. I Mm. found disintegration, that album. And that changed my life. And I found Either Or by Elliot Smith because I thought it looked cool, which is like so, it's so funny. But I remember putting it in my CD player and like hearing it for the first time at like 17, 18 years old and just being completely mind blown. And so I think having more life experience before hearing some of those artists, like I was able to understand it better. I don't know. And like it wasn't the music my parents thought was cool like it was my own findings and so it was like yeah it felt special for that reason yeah oh that's so cool there's like a real ownership over that yeah I mean imagine like discovering the cure through thinking the album looks cool right you know your head like explodes yeah yeah totally yeah I feel like it's so funny listening to bands that I remember like hearing growing up and like you almost hear them differently now because you're like before it's just sound totally there's a lyric in the new album that's not out even close to out but um that i'm working on and the lyric is um hear it differently this time while listening to the weepies because the weepies are specifically a band that i love that i feel like i had to kind of get into my adulthood to understand Mm. because they have a really like beautiful way of writing about adulthood mundane in like a poetic relatable way and so yeah there's a lot of artists like that with like a little life experience you can understand what they're talking about yeah absolutely 
Um, who are some of your current musical influences? Like, who are you listening to right now? That... Yeah, I've been really on a... I, I listen to all kinds of music, and so I go through kind of, like, hyperfixation moments with stuff. So yeah. right now I'm listening to a lot of slowcore music, which is kind of like a mix between shoegaze and Midwest emo. And it's just, okay. yeah, it just, like, feels nostalgic hmm. sonically, and I really love that. And then I've been listening to, on the other side of things, a lot of the weepies, in this phase of my life, it feels like it's kind of, she's kind of like guiding me. It's very mm. like comforting music about new chapters. And it's just like, I yeah, I think the Weepies are a huge influence on me. They're just such like lyric, they're poets. And yeah. I listen to that. Um, and I've been listening to a lot of Rilo Kiley yeah. lately. Um, going on another kick of that some really good stuff like pictures of success is my hyperfixation song i love oh, that song you're just like reading from my notes here. you get it that's okay awesome. sick. yeah yeah sick. that's so great um do you have any influences that uh people would maybe never assume that like you listen to yeah i mean i love country music hmm. what are you gonna do i think like <laughs> it's funny i always say that i feel like country music is like some of the best songs ever or like the best songs ever written and the worst songs ever written there's some of the worst and some of the best um but yeah, I've like always loved country music and just want a like really well-written song. Like it doesn't even have to be emotional. Yeah. I cry when I hear a well-written song and so it'll be like mm. it'll be a southern like really classic like party anthem or something country song and my boyfriend will look over and I'm like tearing up and he's like <laughs> what's happening? But I just yeah, I love a a well-written country song yeah that's probably a shock yeah definitely i wouldn't yeah. expect i guess you know nashville it makes sense there's when definitely i'm from some... alabama right right so it's just in there somewhere yeah yeah absolutely it's in the genes yep <laughs> um i don't know if this is one that you'll have but is there an artist or like um a genre that like people assume that you listen to a lot of that you don't listen to interesting you know i don't listen to a lot of like dreamy pop anymore hmm and I think there was like a time where that was all I made. Um, I was I was experimenting early on with a bunch of different producers. And so I think I'd been like a little bit misguided sometimes in different genres. But I don't know. I do listen to everything. I just think um, people might be surprised at how like little kind of like 80s dreamy music that I listen to that yeah. I made kind of in the past totally but yeah i still listen to a good one like it, when it hits it it's mostly like if the song hits for me it's like about the songwriting mostly yeah, that's awesome um i know the track list is like a huge thing that you pay a lot of attention to yeah um can you talk a little bit about like the track list order of this new ep and why you, yeah why you set it up that way so um i started with everything she wanted because it was the whole ep was written in a short period of time, I, I wrote Cry Over Everything first with um, Andy Seltzer, my collaborator, and just felt like immediately just like he was like my musical soulmate in a way. And so we just bonded over our shared influences and we had like one and a half weeks to um, make our EP. And so it was really just like the screenshot of that time. It, there's not a lot. To me, it sounds like we made it in a week and a half almost really? because it lyrically because it was just kind of like this one kind of perspective I, I did write High Achiever a couple months later and put her on there but 
um, yeah, I started with Everything She Wanted because that song was about, it was like half a manifestation, half truth about what I wanted to feel like. I was coming out of like a really deep burnout post-pandemic and post-rise of social media and yeah. with the music industry. And so I was really burnt out. And I, I wrote that song when I started to feel a little bit better, but then... Um, also kind of wishing I felt that way. And so it was kind of like claiming that power back. So I felt like it was a good, and I felt like I had been gone for a long time. And so it felt like a really good reintroduction of like, remember, and it, it yeah. says like, I think I'll get the band back together. I'm sorry that it's been so long. So it's kind of me talking to the listeners as well. Hmm. And then, yeah, I just kind of, I always knew that I wanted to end it. I usually start with the opener and the closer. Like, those are kind of apparent to me. And so the closer, I just knew it had to be, um, I've got it from here. And that was just because it's about, um, it was also the last song we wrote. It was a half day. And I walked in and told Andy that we had, like, I was like, we're missing this kind of, like, postal service loop vibe. And he made the track, but I told him, I was like, I think it's going to take me a little bit of time to write the song because I want to write a song about the complexity of a mother-daughter relationship and how you learn, like, fearlessness and all these wonderful qualities from your mom and seeing what she, like, what being a woman in the world is like. And then also carrying things that she didn't intend to even pass down. That's just how it goes. And, like, yeah. she had the same experience. And so... um but it just channeled and it just happened really fast. And when I wrote the lyric, there's nothing to be scared of, it was kind of obvious to me that that needed to be the title of the EP because I was entering this kind of new chapter of my life and letting a lot of stuff go. So it was kind of a reminder of there's nothing to be scared of if you're just following your inner voice. Yeah. And so I knew I wanted to leave it on that note. And so in the middle, I just kind of wanted to... to um, be a peaceful listen and not too like sonic heavy on the top so the middle part is sort of for the ep at least was kind of just like what felt like it flowed yeah totally yeah i think that is the perfect ending to the album because it's mm -hmm. like both uh it's kind of melancholy but it's also like very optimistic and hopeful and i think yeah. that yeah those lyrics are just like so beautiful i Thanks. love that um Thanks. do you know of i guess when you're making like a set list order or like a, even an order for like one of your albums, do you have kind of like a guiding life for like, this is the perfect album like order or is yeah. it always like case by case? It's case by case, but I think I, like I said, I know when I write the opener, I know when the opener happens um, and it's usually just what note I want it to start on and then um, what I want to leave people with, like I said. But yeah, I just, I actually was just kind of doing a loose guide for the album that I'm wanting to put out and we moved a bunch of stuff around and we were just listening to it and it felt like I just kind of see what complements one another like after you've been listening to something really devastating what kind of like hopeful thing but without ambushing someone with like joy and <laughs> yeah. like a, a bop it's just kind of like how do I guide people through this experience of all my emotions that yeah. I just am unpacking to you guys you know so <laughs> how do you feel about albums that like lead directly into the next song like so one song ends and it's like a continuous i think that's like a beautiful masterpiece and it's it's pretty difficult to do especially if you're writing it over time hmm. um but i think you can go in we're we're actually trying to do something similar not so much we can't be expecting that because 
they are all their own like kind of moment but I we are kind of gonna I'm putting a lot of emphasis on intros and outros and bridges in this Mm. project because I feel like I I look back and I feel like it's a little bit rushed sometimes and that I'm not giving it this moment and there's example Rilo Kylie or like some of those older bands when they were making physical album sales they had more room to like put interludes or like really let it simmer and have different moments and not the kind of traditional structure um and so I kind of I miss that and I feel like I want to be the be the change you wish to see in the world like just be a little more patient and let the song sit and have a moment so I think the future music is going to have a lot more intros and outros that kind of blend together probably. What is that like, um, that experience of like kind of sitting on things for longer? I, I yeah. feel like I would have a lot of anxiety. It's like I need to be. Yeah. So I like, <laughs> that's actually funny because I, I'll write a, a bunch of songs and when I write one, I just kind of like put it in the vault and forget about it because I don't want to overthink it. And yeah. I, I don't want to get tired of it. And I also am not sure how I feel about it yet. Mm. So I'll just put it away for a bit and then sometimes forget about it. <laughs> and that happened. We, my friend and I were sitting down and we we're like, what EP do we have? What's the next EP? And then we started to dig through all the demos and I was like, oh my God, this one. And then there's this one. Mm. And I forgot about this. And it was really good because it felt like listening to it for the first time. But before we knew it, we were like looking at 14 songs and we were like oh this isn't an ep yeah <laughs> this is a going to be an album yeah. and that's not me giving away that it's 14 because we don't know hmm. we're still writing so there might be even more hard yeah. to say but yeah like i i don't i write it and then i give myself some space and then i'll listen to it again when i'm feeling in a good headspace and ready to listen to myself i definitely right. don't listen to myself very much (laughs) so because it would give me anxiety yeah totally yeah it just becomes like not real after a while after you're listening to it and when you create something already it's like I made this and it's hard to see it in a way that the rest of the world is going to see it yeah so absolutely um I'm really curious I feel like what I hear a lot about is TikTok influencing the music industry because it's launched like tons of people's careers yeah to the point where like it sounds like people even just write songs that they feel will take off on TikTok or like trend how, how do you balance like I guess promoting your songs writing them for like yeah. today's day and age but also like not having it like completely guide the direction of what you're doing yeah I mean I have a lot of opinions on this yeah because yeah. I yeah it really kind of like poisoned my music brain for a little bit I was putting too much emphasis on it and I've never been and I don't think it's probably conducive for artists in general to be thinking about marketing themselves at all times so that is a downside I do see to TikTok there are a lot of like positives of getting eyes on your music but I think the negative is if you let it get out of hand and you're thinking about how people are going to receive it you're not letting it be what it is and you might be adjusting it or filtering it due Mm. to that and another I think thing is that there is this idea that you have to be putting stuff out at all times and I think music might suffer if we're constantly churning things out without like processing it and giving it its moment to breathe and become what it really could be um so I had to dial it back and kind of reconnect to why I do it and I'm lucky I think because I had the experience of music before that Hmm. that I was able to like revert back to and I just think like 
getting back to your daily life and like romanticizing the world around you ends up making like beautiful art but yeah I think I think um it's just a balance like knowing like I like to show up on social media when I'm feeling like it's fun for me to do yeah and when it starts to become like a little bit soul-sucking of like it's just kind of funny to me like I I don't love to like put a camera up and have to perform so it's like if I'm feeling like having fun and doing it then I I do it but I've definitely taken a little bit of a approach on like balancing the two so that I don't get consumed by it it's like we have to touch grass you know and we have (laughs) to see the world in order to write music because yeah yeah Yeah, the world is I don't know yeah it does and I feel like like I trailed off but uh, from the original question but yeah like I said there's just a lot of thoughts I have about TikTok in the music industry. Right, right. It's a lot. It's yeah. not necessarily conducive to good art, but yeah, and it but it can be a re- like I think the stuff that's done so well on social media is really like authentic music. So when right. someone shows up in an authentic way, I think it translates. Yeah. Um, but I think people are putting a little bit too much pressure on the virality than like the development of things because yeah. I think we are gonna see that that potentially like virality doesn't equal long lasting it has to be a combination of things i think yeah you kind of have to have like that's that base that like really yeah. solid songwriting to yeah or like be yeah be an artist and know what you're like have your vision set before you have your kind of viral moment is the ideal way yeah. for that to go <laughs> or else you're like swimming in this like ether of like what do people want for me you yeah know? absolutely yeah. yeah um okay i'm wondering if you can clarify this for me Okay. Settled the debate once and for all because okay, I've heard both yeah. answers. Um, which is actually your favorite song? Is it Long December by the Counting Crows or Pictures of Success? How did you? Okay, you're so prepared. You've done <laughs> some research. I think Pictures of Success, I just relate to her when she says I'm a modern girl, but I fold in half so easily when I put myself in the picture of success. That hit me. Um, Long December is to is the credit we have to give to the Nanana song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that one holds a special place. But yeah, and I love the Counting Grows. You really put me in a difficult position. <laughs> well, now it's on camera. Now. <laughs> right. Now it's like there's no going back. Just but shout song. out Rello Kylie and Counting Crows. Awesome. Love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love it. Um, okay. I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about um, how you know when a song is like finished. Because mm-hmm. I just feel like I would work on it one song forever and like never be done with it how do you decide like when the line in the sand is like it's out it's done maybe it's my adhd that makes me just want to write another song but i think i i have that's actually not too difficult for me because i think i just i have that moment in in time where i'm channeling that song and sometimes i can't really go back to that exact place where i was writing so i tend to kind of like write I rarely edit like I usually Hmm. just will sit down and and channel and get the idea and sometimes if it's unfinished I'll go back and edit it but most of the time it's that moment in time and I'm just eager to write another song that I like as much yeah so I kind of keep the train moving I think that maybe it would help me to go the a little bit on the other side of Hmm. things because I will like just start an idea and if I don't finish it I'm like I can't get back there. So there's a lot of pieces of songs in my Mm. notes app that are just unfinished. Yeah. Which is anxiety inducing in (laughs) itself. But 
<laughs> yeah. I heard um I think it was Rick Rubin in in his like uh book, I forget the name of it, but he just it just came out uh recently. Mm-hmm. But he talks about like the person who like starts the creative process isn't the person who, like returns to it the next day. And I think that is such an interesting concept. Yeah. No, that's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, it's not that's exactly how I feel. It's like I can't get back to that point where I was trying to get this feeling across. And sometimes I can, but it's it's a difficult process. So usually, like, I will stay up as long as it takes to finish it because I know I need to, like, wrangle that feeling. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Rick Rubin knows what he's talking about. He Yeah. <laughs> he heard it here first. He knows what he's talking about. Um, how do you know when an album or an EP is done? Like, when do you put a bow on it? That's a good question because I'm actually actively working on that mm. with this album. Um, yeah. Intuitively, I suppose. I hmm. think there's like a lot of people around you, depending on like what your team looks like, who are trying for it to be done at all times. So people checking in when you just feel good about it, like it's it's said everything that you want to say, maybe. I, I don't know. Hmm. I think it's just intuitive. And also you're like, OK, well, if I put one more song on here, it's going to be like 100 years yeah. long. So <laughs> yeah. we'll cap it here. Totally. How do you decide between the difference between releasing an album versus an EP? Like, where is that distinction for you? Yeah, I mean, it's always really just been, like, what I have at the time. I've never really, like, been strategic about it. It was Mm. kind of, like, my first um, project. I had, like, seven songs I wanted to record. They were the songs that I was playing with my band, like, all the time. And so we had played them a bunch. So that was the batch I just knew I was going to put out. Bullseye... I wasn't planning on putting out a debut album. I just had that many songs and loved all of them and didn't want to cut any of them. So it was an album. And then Andy and I worked for a week and a half. And what we had was we weren't even intending to make an EP or an Mm. album or anything. We were just like, if we get some songs, that'd be great. Yeah. And yeah, we were like, this is five at the time before I wrote High Achiever, five songs. And so I was like this is an EP yeah just naturally she's chosen who she is (laughs) along the way and then like I said I was trying to put together the second EP or the third EP and turned out I had an album yeah so it's just about the amount of songs I want to cut out Hmm, of the batch yeah that makes a lot of sense um Okay, as somebody who is personally a terrible singer, okay, I often like just fantasize about what I wish my voice sounded like do people who can actually sing do that yeah, I mean, I, fun fact, I like didn't, so I hated, I when I got my first guitar, I was singing covers and like, I was only really hearing radio music. So it was like Kelly Clarkson, Taylor Swift, and these like power, not Taylor, Taylor Swift's a great vocalist, but like there were a lot of powerhouse vocalists I was listening to. And I, like I said, when I was four, I sounded like a 90 year old smoker. So <laughs> I was like, I felt like it didn't fit my voice and I hated singing other people's songs. So I was like, oh, if I make my own song, I can sing mm. it however I want. Yeah. And I like, I low key thought I invented songwriting because <laughs> nobody told me about what it was. I was just like, yeah. okay. And then my, I remember my mom being like, are you okay? And me be, me saying like, it's a song mom. And I like had permission to be dramatic and I just yeah. fell in love with it. Mm. But I think, yeah, because of not like singing other people's songs, it, made me write my own that fit in my own voice but I do think I 
wanted to sound like Stevie Nicks for a really long time. I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah, yeah right? And, incredible. like, I have a really yeah. good Stevie Nicks impersonation. Really? Yeah, I do. Gold Dust Woman, if it's karaoke and I'm trying to do impersonation, I'll do Gold Dust Woman and... <laughs> Tell everyone to close their eyes and pretend like it's Stevie Nicks. <laughs> I worked really hard on this. That's so cool. Do you do yeah. other impersonations or just Stevie Nicks? No. I'm bad at impersonations, honestly. Yeah. But Stevie Nicks, I think it was that also, I'll never forget thinking that I had, because I was hearing so many powerhouse vocalists, I was like, my voice is weird and I sound like a boy or something mm-hmm. And I when I was younger. And then I remember my stepdad playing me Tracy Chapman. Yeah. And me being like, who is, who's he? Yeah, And right. him telling me that it's like a woman who's like a really, in like it was all songwriting heavy and it was like what they were trying to tell the story and it was less about like the notes they were hitting and mm. the big vocalists. So I think more so than anything, like Stevie Nicks and Tracy Chapman gave me permission to sing the way I sing. Yeah. And that was comforting. Yeah, that's so cool. I feel yeah. like you need those people to look up to. to like, yeah. know it can be done. So. Totally. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. Do you have any, um, like, really big mal- validating moments that stand out in your career? Like, I know Taylor Swift added one of your songs to her playlist. Life. Yeah. And, like, you're followed by, like, Phoebe Bridgers. Yeah, like, I met her a long time ago, and she's, like, the nicest person ever. And so... That's how that happened, which I'm such a fan of hers. I've been a fan of her since, like, Steamroller in Georgia back, back in the day. Mm. Um, But, yeah, the best day of my life probably was waking up to my phone, like, just drowning. Like, so many messages. And I'm so popular. And then in... They... Everyone was just like, did you see it? And Taylor Swift had put my song in, like, one of 12 songs. And she wrote, like... These are the women moving things along in music. Wow. And what was cool, because first of all, it's like, I don't believe her. Like, I don't believe this. (laughs) Yeah. But I, what was cool about that and validating was that that song, so when I went to record the first EP I ever did, I, the night before we went into the studio, I was, I wrote Backseat Hmm. and, um, yeah, it just came out. I sent a voice message to the producer at the time and was like we have to put this on we have to squeeze this in and I'm so glad I did and at the time I was DIY and it was just my first project and I was emailing like Spotify playlists there's not editorial like just yeah, people yeah. who made playlists and being like if you like my song please add it and mm-hmm. I was just doing my own um sh- like selling myself yeah. and putting myself out there and so it was really cool that I don't know how it found its way to Taylor Swift but it felt really like reassuring that something that I believed in and put out by myself and like just with no backing or no support or anything was seen by her. And to imagine her listening to that song is like mind bending. Yeah. It's crazy. I love her. So have you met her before? No, I have in my dream. <laughs> we went to her farm and we were chit chatting and I think I can see into the future in my dreams. So stay tuned if I'm on the farm with Taylor Swift but no I I can't wait to talk to her (laughs) and just thank her and for everything like all of her lyrics and everything she's such an inspiration I've like listened to her since I was 13 obviously so that's awesome yeah shout out Taylor Swift totally in case you didn't know who she was no literally new (laughs) artists I'm really into Taylor Swift (laughs) (laughs) Um, cool. We can move on to our next 
coffee if you're ready. Cool. Um, do I finish this coffee or do I? Whatever you'd like. We can dump it back in here if okay. you prefer. If you're like feeling a little over caffeinated. Let's fresh palette it. Yeah, exactly. And also, if you want any water, there's like sparkling and still. So Fabulous. Feel free. To I used to want a Soda Stream so bad. Yeah. Growing up, when they were advertising it on, you know. The as seen on TV at Bed Bath and Beyond section. I was right. always trying to get a soda stream. <laughs> I'll I'll say these bottles are great, but the soda stream itself a little bit overrated. I thought about it the other day, and I was like, I think it's like too much trouble than it's worth. Like you can just go get a soda. Yeah, and it's... I feel like it probably doesn't hit like just like a soda. No, it doesn't. And honestly, no like, shade to soda stream. No, no, no shade to soda stream. They uh, don't sponsor. They are not things. sponsoring. So actually, <laughs> and probably never will. Who now. cares? <laughs> But they, I got it because I was like buying so much LaCroix and I was like, yeah. like, this is absurd. I need to like chill out. Maybe I'll do this thing. And it just like, yeah, it's not the same. It doesn't hit the same, but totally bottles are working well for this. <laughs> totally. I was wondering if we were going to make some kind of like interesting concoction. Ooh, that would be fun. Cause you've seen like coffee and Coke. Right. We could, I've... but I like this, like just as it is straight or like neat. <laughs> yeah. Neat, neat, neat coffee, coffee. <laughs> like whiskey. Um, so this next coffee is, uh, it's from El Salvador and this is a roaster from, um, Michigan. So cool. they're called Madcap. They're excellent. This looks up my alley. Cinnamon and orange. Yeah. It's, um, it's probably a bit, it should be a bit different than the Costa Rica. So. I'm smelling it. <laughs> Whoa. Has like a kick. It's strong. Yeah. That's really good. Some more like spice. I feel like my input is just like, that's really good. That's great though. Yeah. It's really tasty. Awesome. Hmm. Yeah. As long as you're enjoying them, that's the goal. And to kind of give you like a broad tasting of kind of everything. So we have a bunch of different flavor profiles in here, but this one is definitely fun. And it's unique. smooth, but like strong, has a kick. Yeah. There's like some mouthfeel to it. Mm -hmm. I feel like it kind of lingers. This is so funny. I worked in so many wine bars at restaurants. I worked at so many restaurants. So the whole like wine lingo is like just a little bit yeah. triggering yeah, yeah. <laughs> from being like the mouthfeel to like people who I'm just trying to sell a bottle to. You're like, please, I just want some tips. No, but it's helpful. It is yeah. helpful because this is, it does have the mouthfeel. Yeah, totally. The, um, I, I've talked about this before on here, but like people assume that I know a lot about wine just from roasting coffee and I'm like, a total idiot when it comes to wine so you probably could i have me. your back yeah <laughs> i can do that part <laughs> amazing because i'm just like a standard like i said folgers drip coffee yeah yeah gal so you're enlightening me amazing well i'm so stoked to be a part of it yeah um my next couple of questions are focused on your writing in particular because i think cool. it's just such a strong part of your songs um but i wanted to start by asking you did your grandfather actually, or your great great grandfather actually write the Star Spangled Banner? He did, <laughs> and it's some big fat shoes to fill. Yeah, that I have. Yeah, he wrote that. The, and the rockets red glare. Yeah, he wrote it. And yeah, he. My grandmother's last name is Key, so it was on her side of the family. I don't know how many removed it is. Yeah. I have to do the math. But Couple of greats. I have, like, when I posted that, I have seen a bunch of people being like, we're distant cousins because he's my grandfather too. Whoa. What's the process for you um, when you're writing a song? Like, what does that look like? Is it always kind of similar? Do you have, like, a method that you approach every song with? Yeah. I cleanse my energy first. Just saying, like, I just like, because I like to channel and a lot of my like every 
every one of my favorite songs I've ever written that felt really good to write were they almost felt like they existed before and I just sang it. Hmm. Um, like Bullseye was an example of that. I just kind of sat down and started playing and it stream of consciousness came out and um, I wrote it in like 15 minutes and it just happened. And so those are my favorite ones to write because painless, I feel like it's just like channeling from the cosmos or something. I don't yeah. know. But um, yeah, I think after I channel sometimes it's a seed of an idea it's like a verse or a chorus and then um yeah I sometimes like to hear the music around it to write the rest of it just so it so I'll sometimes bring a chorus in with Andy and then we'll make the rest of the song and then I write in the room for the remaining pieces yeah um and this is kind of the first time I've edited like I was saying I've never been a big song editor but I think that my songs were lacking bridges for that reason mm. I didn't write a lot of bridges back in the day because I think it was like whatever I wrote that night was right, the song right and so now with working with Andy and working with just one person who I really trust musically we're able to like start a song and then come back two weeks later and edit it and so my process mm. is changing a little bit but it feels like really conducive to the music to to let it become like its life as I finish writing it. And some of my favorite songs have like stories behind them that were like that, where they, like Scott Street by Phoebe Bridgers. Right, it was like right. a seed of an idea that they finished over time. And so I think it helps to make the song like as good as it can be. Hmm. So yeah, yeah, I'm trying a new approach. That's but it cool. always starts with just like channeling in my bedroom yeah. or like in the car or sometimes. Last night mm -hmm. I was in the shower and got out and hit record and have the melodies in my phone that I have to figure out something to do with. Yeah. But, so inspiration will just kind of strike at any it, moment. And... Any moment, but mostly when I'm not, I have like a super active brain it, too much. It's just I'm like intrusive thoughts, spiraling all the things all the time. Yeah. And so a lot of the time when something will come is when I've like cleared my mind or I've just meditated or I've, I'm observing my thoughts and I'm not letting them control my day. And then mm. all of a sudden, like the first thing, which I think is pretty romantic, that like the first thing when my mind is cleared is melody or lyrics. Yeah. Because it's like she was trying to come out, but yeah. I was busy thinking about what I did two years ago that one night. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. No, yeah. That's so cool. Um, How does your process change like when you're working or writing for or with other artists? Because I know you do a ton of collaborations, which yeah. I really love. Yeah, it is totally different. I do find that like I think, well, I guess like artists who do songwriting sessions and bring songwriters in, the process does tend to be different than when you're just channeling in your bedroom. But hmm. my approach as a songwriter there's a lot of ways people go about it and a lot of pop writers will go in with like an idea or something they've thought of for the artist right but I've never done that which is risky business because I'm coming in without an idea but yeah. I think why I've had a bit of success with writing for other people is that I either ask kind of we are either talking about what's going on in their life and something they haven't written about yet or something like I think um I'm such an open person about my life and what's going on that it creates the space for people. Yeah. And so I like to just create that space. And then it always happens where they just pour out like something that has been on their heart or mind. And then we write some like one of the more meaningful songs. It's like my, I love writing a meaningful, heartfelt song. So that's kind of what I go for for writing for other people. Yeah. And um, 
yeah, I just like listen to them talk about their feelings all day long and then we'll just kind of channel in the, the moment with them um, or I'll kind of ask like what they feel like is missing from their artistry. Like what have they mm. not gotten to say yet? And then I want to take on that challenge of making it and putting it into words because it's just like it's easier to me than writing like a a pop song or like a yeah so usually it's it's just like deep talks and then we write it yeah um i know that you wrote you talked a little bit about writing um backseat just before like you were supposed to finish the album Mm -hmm. and go record um is that the fastest that you've wrote a song before like i feel like every song that i hear whenever Mm -hmm. i hear about your writing process it's like oh i wrote it in a day or like a couple hours or the my favorite ones are that way i think bullseye was the fastest i think that happened in like actually 10 minutes i remember like finishing the voice memo thing and feeling like it had been forever because I was just thinking about and I like channeled the chorus and then I was like okay what's next and then all of a sudden it came out and so Mm. um yeah that one was a record I think like 10 minutes but yeah it always does tend to be fast and then there's like the stubborn ones that we're revisiting and trying to make perfect yeah what's the song that's taking you the longest hmm you know, it's funny, maybe Na 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 song, which is like the most mm. simple song of all of them. And half of the lyrics are just Na 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 Na. <laughs> but I had the idea for the Na 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 thing and then I was trying to get it right. And I think what it was was that I was fighting the corniness of that song and I was fighting the fact that it just inherently was going to be a corny love song. Yeah. And I think I was just trying to not let it be that. And so it was my own resistance and then accepting that this is going to be my cheesy love song and that's fine yeah and we love it and totally. so yeah it's it's like if i'm resisting an idea not and took long and then um some of these on the album i've had for like a, a while yeah. that need to be finished hmm. those ones that you've kind of been sitting on for a bit that yeah i have like yeah. verses and choruses it's kind of like a little jigsaw puzzle and yeah. then andy and i are going to go to the mountains or something and then just finish it sick is that where you feel like most inspired to kind of work on music is like nature yeah i mean i think i just love i love mountain cities when i was living in nashville i would go to Asheville, north carolina Mm. just like by myself a lot it was it's like four and a half hours and it's just like metaphysical shops and breweries and it's really like clean and and eco-friendly and like a beautiful town and i just like the openness of mountains i think i grew up because I grew up in a beach town, I think it's just, like, really romantic to me. And I've never, like, lived in a town like that. And so yeah. I definitely romanticize living in, like, the middle of nowhere in a cottage in mm. the mountains. Yeah. And so that is kind of my end goal. I love that. But I do I like L.A. for now. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> it's got its pros and cons yeah. for sure. Yeah. I think, like, being in, I don't know, there's just places where I feel like I'm in a movie. Hmm. And New York is one of those places. Yeah. And... Um, Asheville is one of those places and so it's good for me to like when being creative to go to places like that and pretend I'm in a movie yeah that's fantastic it's fun that that's like part of my job yeah is to go places and pretend I'm in a movie (laughs) yeah just like go daydream and have fun that's so sick that is my favorite pastime daydreaming (laughs) and having fun yeah (laughs) amazing Um, I've heard you describe Backseat as like your magnum opus what's uh what do you think it is about that song that like resonates? With I have people? no idea. Like to be honest, I, I, I joke about it being my magnum opus, and I hope that there's one to follow. That yeah, I, it's there just will that, be for sure. Thank you. It's yeah. just that Taylor Swift loved it, and I 
I don't. I'd like to know what she thinks of my new songs. Um, would love to hear her input, Taylor Swift. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I think it's. I mean, what I have seen is that a lot of the songs that I just let happen, and again, back to just channeling. Those tend to be the ones that like resonate with people the deepest, and I think. I think that song is maybe just about something that isn't written about a lot. It because what had happened was I was in the back seat of the car with my friends, two who aren't my friends anymore, but they are no problem. But they were in the front seat and they were just like, you know, like talking about like who they knew and what they were doing and trying to one up each other. And it was just the most obnoxious conversation yeah. ever. And, and I didn't feel like I had anything to contribute and I didn't want to, I didn't want to be in that conversation. And I was just like, turn up the music. Can we just like be in this moment for a little bit? And so yeah. that's what the song is about of just being like, I'm better in my own mind than with all of these people who are trying to like prove themselves or it was like from, that one experience yeah it's not like the world is that way but yeah i yeah i don't know i just dream of consciousness wrote it and i think those ones tend to do better i don't yeah. know what it is about it i, I think the everyone, big drums maybe yeah maybe I, don't know. I do think everyone has been in that situation where you're like in the back of a car and you're kind of stuck and yeah. like like dude i don't want to be here and you kind of like get that i don't know your song really captures like that like fantasizing like what you would rather be doing or like yeah you know totally or yeah. just being like me myself and I are fine I'm yeah. just gonna pretend like you guys aren't here and I'm in the backseat in a movie yeah absolutely <laughs> again <laughs> I love it um <laughs> uh do you find it easier or more difficult to be vulnerable when you're songwriting versus like every day kind of in your own personal life I have trouble with being too vulnerable and too open all the mm. time. I think I tell people things that details that I should probably keep to myself. There's mm. I've definitely not protected my energy in the past and like historically I've just I give I'm just like such a feeler and I don't I didn't realize like when I was younger why people didn't just tell everyone what they were feeling and what was going on or that that people would weaponize it or would use it against you or yeah. like I hadn't experienced that yet and so it's always been like my default setting is to just be believe that like everyone has the best intentions and if I tell them this like really hard thing I went through it's just going to be empathy that they give me and like no hmm. judgment or like I just because I don't operate in that way and I just for a long time thought that was the case um so yeah i've actually had to reel it back a little bit and yeah. just protect my energy a little bit but mm. i find it really easy to tap into my vulnerability because i just don't feel like i have necessarily like anything to prove or any stoicism that i need people to feel for me like i yeah i just i'm such a feeler and i'm like very in touch with my inner child and i'm just really open and so Music is kind of my excuse to be that. Like when, like I said, when I started writing music, my mom was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's just a song, mom. Songs are supposed to be dramatic because yeah. I just am a dramatic person and like mm. a romantic person. And so, yeah, I just think that songwriting is like my permission to put all my feelings out there and like overshare and yeah, tell all my deepest, darkest <laughs> feelings. Has that um, being that vulnerable in your songwriting has that ever like come back in a 
bad way or negative way? People have like misinterpreted. I've I've definitely had the experience of. I guess you can't understand if you're not someone who does it. Why I've had people be like, "Why did you write this me into this song, or why did you have to write this?" And it's just because it is what I do, and right. it's not that it was an attack. I wasn't thinking about you hearing it in the moment I was just thinking about my feelings and putting it out mm. there and so I I do think if you don't do it it's hard to understand why someone yeah would put so much out there but it's just that that's what you do and it's like this is my material and this is my perspective I'd love to hear your song on the perspective yeah. if you wanted to write one you know <laughs> but like all I have is my side of the story and my experience so it's been kind of difficult with like some family sometimes to yeah. explain why I have to write songs about my family and my upbringing because yeah. it's so core and like central to who I am and it taught me so much about who I am and it's not meant to be definitive either. Right. It's like one moment in time and that's, I get hard on myself sometimes thinking like, I had to, I wish I had it figured out when I wrote that song. Like, I wish I had more perspective, mm. but that's the point. Yeah. You know, I can't, it, it, that's the point of writing music in those time in the different timelines, because it's like my perspective at that time and it's okay. I have to, I've had to like get with myself and be okay with like, you're going to change and you're going to grow and your perspective is going to change yeah. and you can't be mad at yourself for feeling that way. You have to understand and have empathy for the version of you that wrote right. that song that had didn't know what you know now well and that song is also there for someone else who's maybe in that place which at, has changed you know. everything yeah. i think cheer captain was misunderstood for a little bit by close people in my life as as like an angry song or as yeah. i don't know and and i still to this day like i just wrote a, in the Nash at the nashville show i wrote a tattoo for someone um, about your captain because mm -hmm. they told me their personal experience that was what made them feel so seen by that song and so it's the realizing that your songs are yours at the beginning but they mean something completely different or like something really special to someone else and right and that's the whole point and so it's worth it like if I have to have a difficult conversation with a close person in my life it is worth it for the sake of the I don't know, like, even if it's, like, five to ten people who, like, feel yeah. seen by your music, it's enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Uh, I I think that's a really great perspective on that. I, Thanks. I really, like, respect the vulnerability that you share in your writing. And so, Thanks. yeah, I think, like, keep at it because it's Thanks. so valuable. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm really interested to hear your perspective on this because I feel like as somebody who uses their own experience in their songwriting a lot, mm -hmm. I would personally be really tempted to like fall in the trap of like not going to therapy and like mm -hmm. not taking care of myself because I'm like, it'll make me a better artist. How do you avoid that? Well, so that's funny because I also, I don't know if you know about Enneagrams. Yeah. I'm an Enneagram four. Okay. Which romanticizes tragedy a little bit. Hmm. They like definitely can be addicted to their sa sadness and addicted to their, because they are feelers and I just I always have been and I do have to be careful of um not craving and like being addicted to my sadness because it does it are it is the times where I've like made my most meaningful art and yeah. 
yeah, I'm actually experiencing that right now for the first time. I just like moved to a new city, started kind of fresh and started therapy around the time I wrote Bullseye. And I have I'm just in a much different place. I'm in like I've created stillness for myself. I've created like a peaceful state for myself. And I used to be so in survival mode and running and like so. Yeah, I have had the concern of like what's going to come out of this like happy, peaceful time. But I have seen that I'm able to like ruminate. I'm I'm able to like reflect back from a more mature place and it has resulted in like more mature songs with like a a more realized perspective than the descriptor of the scene itself in front of me if that makes sense like I'm able to which is something that I think the weepies do and like a lot of artists that I really love so it's been actually positive and yeah I think as an artist you just have to be careful for um like it's okay to be happy and yeah, right. your music it's not going to suffer and there's just plenty to pull from and there's so much of like world to look at like it's okay for me to I'm letting myself know it's okay for me to be in a better place and then maybe I will start getting inspired by other people's experiences and looking into the perspective of other people yeah. and it could tap into something that I wouldn't have done if I was just so in my own world and my own emotions and drowning in it that I wasn't able to see the world around me. So I think there's like plenty to pull from in the world that is beautiful and tragic. Yeah. And yeah, I just, it's like kind of in my makeup to romanticize sadness. I feel like I heard it even just like in your latest EP, it felt like it was coming from a, I don't know if a healthier place is the right way to say it, but like, like a, a, looking back and not um i don't know a less melancholic way yeah i wasn't like drowning in it i wasn't like just i wasn't as angry i wasn't as like exhausted and i feel like the album is especially that i feel like i went with the ep um yeah i went really into like the slow core influences that i had and everything and just wanted to kind of like write about the transformative time and then the album is kind of coming from the post transform yeah Ming. yeah so <laughs> yeah no that's really great i mean i sound like a super old man is what i'm saying no not <laughs> no, at I'm all just kidding. <laughs> i mean i think you sound like honestly like very mature for i Thanks. don't know not not your age because i don't think that's the right word but like you're coming at your material from a place of like real maturity i think which is really really Thanks. I've been doing it for like 10 years now, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, so you just learn a lot about yourself, especially when you're like, you're the thing, you're, you're your business. Right. And you're your art. You are all of it. So I am, and I'm also already painfully self-aware. So <laughs> I have just been deep in my self-awareness for 10 years. So. Well, I think you're putting in a lot of work and it's really shining. And like, yeah, everything you Truly, like, so stoked to have you here. And yeah, like I said, like, I'm a huge fan of your work, so. Ditto. Yeah. And me and your dog are 
Twins. I know. What kind of dog is it? She's Husky, Pitbull, German Shepherd. Huskies and Pitbulls are my favorite dog. Wait, really? Yeah. Oh I my want God. I want one of the two. Or I could get a <laughs> little hybrid like she, you did. Yeah, she's fantastic because she's like, she's got the fur and the shedding, looks like a husky, but then she's like really sweet and cuddly and yeah. I love that. Yeah, she's the best. Um, so this, this next coffee is from Colombia. Um, it is what's called a geisha. So it's basically there's a, a couple of different varieties of coffee. So like um, like different types of plants essentially. Um, and geisha is like really like high end usually. Cool. Um, but they're usually like brewed or roasted a lot lighter and kind of more tea-like. So curious to see what you think of this one. Okay, love. Um, I love the tea. This is from a roaster called Passenger out of Pennsylvania. Okay, cool. Also, if you would like some water and need some water to kind of... That's delightful. Oh my gosh, that's shot everywhere. I think that's my favorite so far. Is it? I do like a softer coffee. Okay. So I think I am getting the like light tea yeah. notes. Big time. Yeah. Ooh, I like this one a lot. Yeah, they're um, they're fantastic. There's This is one of the things I love about picking out kind of the lineup is there's so many cool roasters from all over the country um you know coast to coast and middle america yeah please get in there Um, thank you absolutely yeah there's a lot of like hidden gem roasters and unexpected places so amazing pennsylvania yeah thank you pennsylvania absolutely okay so (laughs) in columbia (laughs) yeah more importantly (laughs) a great point (laughs) well uh speaking of two places um the next set of questions is kind of uh focus on nashville and la i know you're new to la um and spent a lot of time in nashville so um i've got a couple of questions kind of going through your experience in both okay cool um do you have a favorite memory from the house that you lived at on cloverland drive (sighs) yeah i have so many we like i said i moved to Nashville by myself when I was 17. I was in that, I was lucky to be in that one house um, for the whole nine years I was there. Yeah. And all my like friends in my music scene, like we would just have like huge slumber parties and make music there. And so there was just, it really felt really iconic, honestly. But in the song Cloverland Drive, we, I said fireworks inside. And that was because on a Sunday night after I played a show at this venue called The Local in Nashville, we were all celebrating. We were so stoked. It was a Sunday night. And I do not condone this. This was just like (laughs) dumb teenagers. And like we all ended up okay. And the house did not catch on fire. But we did shoot fireworks (laughs) in the kitchen. Nice. On accident. We did think it was sparklers at first. It did end up being a huge firework. And then, but then everyone started chanting fireworks inside. And we all ran out on the porch and we're like doing like Roman candles. And there was just something in the air. I don't know. But we were all celebrating a fun show and just on some different type of energy. So (laughs) the lyric in Cloverland Drive is as literal as possible that we shot fireworks. That's fantastic. Inside. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Did you actually audition for the Hannah Montana movie? No. Oh. (laughs) Wait, but maybe. Oh, you know what I did do, though? I did do acting and modeling school where I was recruited at the mall. And the guy from Hannah Montana was like their claim to fame um, 
Moises Arias. Okay. And I remember being like, I'll be in Hannah Montana if I do this acting and modeling class. But <laughs> I didn't. I never auditioned for Hannah Montana. But oh, man. She was formative for me. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that she's counts. an icon. <laughs> um, as someone who moved to Nashville at a young age to pursue music, I imagine you had a lot of like odd kind of weird jobs um, trying to make it in the industry. Definitely. Do you have a best and worst uh, job? <sighs> yeah. Um, best job I nannied. So I love I love kids. Like I said, my inner child is very alive and well. And so I, I've always nannied for families. So nannying is my favorite gig. Just think kids are cooler than adults half the time. Obviously. Um, and yeah, worst job. I was working at this kind of like bar and grill, um, outside of town, like a little bit outside of town. And I had to wear like those like skin tight you know, tops and carry around jello shots for And that wasn't um, fun for you. <laughs> jello shots to Rocky Top every time Tennessee made a touchdown. And as you can imagine, like the demographic of places like that. And the day I quit was when I got followed into a bathroom and the door closed and I had to like fight um a drunk man out of the way. So it was the uh, the bar and grill days Damn. were the worst. But all yeah. all was well. I just did I was like, I actually can't work here anymore. Right. And I left. Yeah, that's super scary though. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So but yeah, I won't be ever barn grilling it again. <laughs> but I did meet Gretchen Wilson there, who wrote so that's the artist who has um I'm here for the party. I don't know if I know this song. Country. I probably do. I, I don't also, big... I, Redneck Woman. Okay. I'm a redneck oh, yes. okay. woman. I know. Yeah. So I met her. She came That's to the bar and cool. grill. She lived in the little town. <laughs> you served her she some jello rowdy. shots. She was very rowdy. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, how would you describe the music scene in LA compared to Nashville? Hmm. It's interesting. Because I have to try not to romanticize my time in Nashville because it was like um, just kind of a different phase of my life. Like I said, I'm really grateful that I was in Nashville at the beginning of everything because I do think L.A. would have been intimidating for me. And I think there's a little bit of everything in L.A., so it's hard. Like it really depends on which scene of people you're around and who you surround yourself with if you're like in the pop writing scene it can be a little uninspiring at times or like there's just different scenes that you just maybe don't feel aligned with, but there's a lot in LA. Um, Nashville just felt a little bit smaller and more community driven. Yeah. And I think that's also a social media thing that's kind of happening is people are spending so much time on their phone. There's like a little bit less community in general. So we have to factor in time that I spent there, but, um, yeah, Nashville was just kind of like any any kind of show I went to, I was going to see yeah. all 50 of my friends that I play with. And and it was fun. There was like a lot of camaraderie where we all played for each other for free, which was really fun. So it was like, you know, I would have I would play like four shows a month and have a completely different band of friends of mine yeah. for each one. And we would just have one rehearsal and just do it for fun. That's so cool. So I feel like um, the camaraderie is there. In L.A., it can sometimes be a little bit like every man for himself. Um, but there's a lot of beauty to it because there's a lot of opportunity and yeah, a lot of like historical like venues and cool stuff I want to I still have yet to see because I've been here for like a year. Right. Yeah. What's the um like what's the dream venue for you to play in both cities, maybe? So the Ryman Auditorium 
in Nashville okay. is my bucket list. I've seen so many of my favorite bands there. Um, it's a gorgeous sounding venue. It's like a old church. Oh, and so cool. the acoustics are just stunning. Um, and it's historic. It's like off the Grand Ole Opry or it's the original Grand Ole Opry, if I have that correct. But that's the dream. And I think L.A. Um, I mean, I would love to play the troubadour for the lore, you know, yeah. and that's that's definitely on the agenda. Um, I actually haven't like tested out a lot of like because uh, it's weird. The, the Greek and the Hollywood Bowl. I yeah. think they like are having to turn their volume down a lot. Oh, the last really? couple shows I've seen have been really quiet. Huh. And it's kind of strange. So I'm like some neighbors the, complain. The verdict something. is still out on whether or not <laughs> I mean, if they'll have me, I'll come. <laughs> you know. But just turn it can up. Can we turn it up yeah. a little bit? <laughs> Those outdoor well. venues are so fun. I know. Yeah. They are. Like I I really want to play festivals. I want to do like a festival run soon because yeah. I used to be a festival fanatic i love really? music festival like stagecoach or what was your favorite i went i went so i grew up in gulf shores so the hangout fest was the festival that was by it was like in my hometown and okay. it's on the beach right by the gulf of mexico and it's beautiful and yeah. one year i saw tom petty and the heartbreakers stevie wonder it was like the craziest year they i think they went like low-key bankrupt and then had to do like <laughs> just djs for a so couple last years year. <laughs> but i i that's a bucket list because it's like my hometown and i can be like for everyone who didn't believe in who bullied me for starting making music yeah this one's for you guys <laughs> or yeah but the also just being by the beach that festival is amazing and then yeah. bonnaroo i've been to nice that's awesome in a tent <laughs> the whole yeah the whole thing super hot yeah june in tennessee There's no shower is not cute but <laughs> it's like character building yeah you know? absolutely um between nashville and la what feels more like home to you hmm. i told you i wanted to move to the west side possibly i do feel really at home weirdly when i drive by the water because i grew up in a beach town yeah so in that way i i just I have to answer this question as it's Nashville. Nashville is like, when I think of my hometown, I do think of Nashville, like even more so than Alabama. I just like, I became who I am there. And yeah, I just will love that city. There's just so many memories. I mean, think about the ages between 17 to 26. It's like yeah, it's everything. so formative. And so, and just like fearless, all the memories of just like going to all these places like I you owned the city and now I'm like you know it's yeah. it's just a different energy when you're that age and yeah I'll never I love Nashville I plan to like split my time eventually oh cool right yeah on. I just needed like a clean slate yeah. some fresh energy absolutely yeah yeah well I'm stoked that you're here so thanks I love it here <laughs> it is really comforting and I think I want to live by the water I think that'd be good for my I have no water in my chart in my zodiac chart which is so surprising to people because I am like a really emotional gal. But I think I think that is a bit of a stigma for water signs anyways. But I, mm. yeah, I have no water in my chart. So I think I'm recharged by the water. Yeah. Um, well, you made a perfect segue into our next coffee Lovely. and topic. Lovely. It's a fun game that I have <gasps> for us. Okay, I love games. Um, Actually, like that is my biggest personality trait is that I love games. Wait, really? Yes. Oh my I gosh. love games. I love spades, like online spades. I play spades online. It's a card game. Okay. I love Pac-Man. 
I love board games. Wait, Pac-Man, like the video game? Yeah. No I way. like love every form of game is what I'm saying. Fantastic. Oh, did I spill this? No. I think you're good. Yeah. We're good. So. Oh, I might need to pour some of this. I oh, did yeah. pour sorry, myself sorry. a lot. I liked that one a lot. <laughs> this is a good one. Well, the good news is you can drink all that you want of it because these are all yours. So <gasps> Yay! I was actually running of out of my bag of Dunkin's. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you've got a ton of coffee um, that should get That's you through so much better than Dunkin'. a while. <laughs> and it's so much better. While you pour yourself some of this one, this is a local LA roaster. <gasps> Called Good Boy Bob, another uh, coffee shop named after a dog. Uh, Bob is a dog, I think. Um, of course. But it's from um, Nicaragua. Cool. And they're fantastic. They have a couple of shops around the city. Um, if you're ever wanting to go check them out, highly recommend. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of like really high-end coffees, which are fun, like that you don't really see anywhere else. They're like super cool. expensive, but they're super, super fun. What part of town? They have one in Santa Monica. I think they have a couple of shops. I can't remember where all of them are, but the one I've been to is in Santa Monica. I so. love that. Yeah. It's very Tumblr. They, it's, yeah. I love it. It's very Absolutely. romantic. Yeah. They um they have like all different kinds of designs on their bags and they work with the artists and stuff like that. And they like take the whole bag up. Like all of these kind of have like, you know, front and center, like the origin. And it's like cool. there's a really artist focus, which is cool. Cool. I love that. Um, awesome. Well, let me know what you think, and then I'll kind of explain our, our little game here. I l- I'm so excited about the game. I think you'll be very excited about this. Yum. Okay, that's my favorite so far. That's your favorite? Yeah. Okay. It's okay. got some more of that roastiness. Yeah, it's like, tastes like coffee is what I was about <laughs> yeah. to say, but like yeah. I said. Fantastic. Not um, a sophisticated palate. No, it's great. So the game that I have, um, I'm going to give you five it's questions. Smoky. Sorry. Yeah. No, it is. It absolutely is. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Big time. I don't remember what the tasting notes on the bag are, but yeah, definitely smokiness. Is I love that. Through. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm going to give you five questions to ask me and you at the end of those five questions have to guess my Zodiac sign. <gasps> this is so, okay. Wait, this is fate. I did on the <laughs> way here when I was talking to my friend Miranda, I told her that I was going to guess her zodiac sign. Wait, really? Because it's my favorite thing to do. Yeah. And this is so fun because I was like, I have to get a feel for his vibe and then I'm going to guess. <laughs> and now Perfect. I have to nail it because I get questions. Okay. No pressure. Thank you. <laughs> this is so fun. It's like oh you knew gosh. that was my special talent. I, I had a hunch that you were you would be interested in. So. I'm deeply interested. <laughs> All right. So whenever you're ready, have at it. Okay. So I come up with the questions. Yeah. You oh can ask God. me five five questions. Okay. What is your ideal Sunday day off? Mm, I love a slow morning. Okay. So slow morning, maybe like coffee, go get some brunch. Okay. Um, hit the beach, go for a run, hang okay. out with the dog. Um, cool. And then maybe watch a movie or something. Okay. That's also mine. Ideal. Oh, nice. I love that kind Amazing. of Sunday. Um, okay. What? If you weren't doing what you're doing, what would you do for a job? What was this. like, what would you say? This. This would be my like. Okay. Yeah, yeah. When you were a kid, can I can I replace that question? Yeah, yeah, totally. When you were a kid, what did you dream of being? Um, I really wanted to be a doctor and a firefighter. Okay. Yeah. Heroic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. You wanted to be a hero. <laughs> Let's see. 
Um, concert or party? Concert for sure. Okay. Yeah. The experience of it all. Yeah. Um. See this out. Last one has to be good. This is my last one, right? I think you have one, two more. Two more. Okay. I think yeah. I okay. forgot to count. <laughs> okay. Um. Do you have any quirky hobbies? Yeah, tons actually. Okay. Yeah. So I roasting coffee honestly was like a quirky hobby for a long time until this last year when I started selling it. Okay. Um, what else? Film photography. Big into shooting film. Um, so creative mini hats. Yeah, I run a lot. Okay. Um, rock climbing. Um, I... Are you? <laughs> you ready? I think so. Okay. Are you a Sagittarius? No. <laughs> okay, I saw one more question. Yeah, I was gonna say okay. you, we're not done yet. So, um, I also like climb mountains. Like I like to do. It's called okay. mountaineering. So like, okay, you spend a ton of time on like a glacier, which is okay. kind of weird, but yeah. A glacier. That sounds like a really fun time and also kind of scary. Yes, yeah, both. So it's giving sure. brave. That's why I said Sagittarius because I okay. was like, he loves life experiences and traveling. Yeah, okay. yeah. But also, I have to point out that your sun sign is. It's like your operating system. Right, and so right. all of the details of your like you could be a Sagittarius rising, which I am putting money on maybe. Okay. I'd like to see your chart. Yeah, I need to I actually think I have it somewhere. Like a friend of mine did it. I feel like maybe you have a Sagittarius placement, but okay. that's not me just like covering all sides. Okay. <laughs> um one final question. Last one. Mm. Huh. ideal date night Ooh, that's a good one what would an ideal date night be i think like um some activity where we like get to laugh would be really fun okay um like something silly where you get to just like be goofy and have a good time uh-huh. like the thing that's coming to mind I, this wouldn't be it but like going to like a carnival or something like that i don't like fairs but like something like that where you can like be a kid and be yeah. silly i have another guess okay are you an Aquarius? Cancer. You're, those are, wa- wait, so isn't close. that close though? Yeah. Aquarius is actually an air sign. Okay. People don't real, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, I love a Cancer. Yeah? I love a Cancer. Damn, I'm usually really good at this, but. Hey, it's all there's good. There's always wild cards. We just met too, you know? I know. It's like. I know. You gotta give it time, like warm up. So. Yeah, I can't yeah. be perfect. <laughs> No matter how hard I try. But those are great questions, though. Thanks. If yeah. I had come prepared, there probably would have been. I know. It's a, I put you on the spot. Yeah, no problem. I love asking <laughs> questions to the questioner. Yeah, it's fun. I, um, as somebody who, like, also grew up in the church and went through, like, a deconstruction phase. And yeah. I, I have a real, like, aversion to spirituality. And I'm trying to, like, get over that yeah. and, like, push through that. But it's Well, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting to think about, like, which version you take. Because I, I sometimes I wonder if I'd be spiritual if it weren't for that. If right. I'm filling, like, the God hole um, mm. with this concept of spirituality. Or if, like, I think it's natural to go either way of being, like, I need, and it's, I'll never know if it's psychologically yeah. that I need to feel like there's some sort of guidance right. for me to be at peace. And maybe that is the case. It's really hard. I, I can't know because I'm inside my brain. Right. Yeah. So I understand though, wanting to just be so practical after hearing something that is so abstract and yeah. like, but still somehow so 
rule oriented and so structured and so dogmatic and, yeah, yeah even though it's so abstract and there's so many right. big fat question marks and exactly we're not supposed to know and things yeah. like that and so i just yeah i i could see you like taking the practical approach of like i'd like to know for a fact that these yeah. things are but i really respect i mean i think like I, I, it's almost like to a fault where I'm like, I respect people who have like some sense of spirituality now after coming out of, yeah. you know, like, um, that upbringing and like making their own decisions about what they want to believe. Like, I yeah. love that part because it's like, there's, there's definitely a part of me that's like misses that. Yeah. Well, part and of the so, scary, yeah. the part of the yeah thing that makes it hard to, to leave is that there's like a lot of like the questioning itself being bad and, yeah. and the fear of being brainwashed by the world and all these things that they teach you before to keep you from thinking outside the box right and i don't know i like posed it one time in a way of like well i don't want what i believe in to be so fragile that me learning about something else is going to or me thinking about something else is going to sway me yeah. i think it don't you want to know that you would believe in it despite that so yeah. like yeah i've just always like loved thinking about the what ifs but when I was young I kind of thought about the idea of reincarnation and mm. it made sense to me yeah because I was like energy isn't created it, like it can't be created or destroyed and it's just continuously recycling and so I just kind of like as I got older was like okay well that makes sense and right, right. there's no hell when it comes to that and yeah it's just learning lessons and that brings me peace so it's kind of like if yeah if I have I, that's how I feel about religion in general. It's like if you're, if it makes you a higher vibrational person and it makes you feel good and create good and be good, then I'm all for it. Like yeah. I don't care what form you get it from. Yeah. It's just that unfortunately a lot of those organized religions come with like shame and guilt and a lot of low vibrational things that are not helpful to you as a person right. or the people around you because yeah. people who are in shame hurt people right. and judge people and it's just like that's where i have to have to argue you know <laughs> yeah exactly it's like this isn't helpful you can't sit quiet yeah yeah totally, totally. awesome well i'm so stoked uh to hear more about that because like yeah, yeah like i said there's like a curiosity there but like where were you from it. um boise okay boise i know so it, i think cool. kind of similar like reading about some of your um stuff that you were like write about in your songs like resonates a lot with yeah my experience growing up smaller town and definitely cool. like very god and country kind of vibe so yeah 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 time. i've never been to the midwest it's mountain west oh mountain west yeah okay, i so know yeah, well no because everyone mixes geography. up idaho and iowa that's certainly what happened yeah yeah it, you're not the we're only gonna one go with they that. have bumper stickers that are like the shape of idaho and they say iowa on it okay that's funny <laughs> yeah idaho yeah. is the potatoes yes yeah yeah, yeah okay yeah. i know so it's it's <laughs> a weird one <laughs> Um, okay, well, we can move on to our, our next set of questions and our next coffee. This is cool. coffee that I roasted. Feel free, jump in, enjoy. Wow, this is the first. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, go. Are you pouring it back? Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. This is the first one of yours. I'm yeah. Trying. Uh -huh. Yeah, the rest are other roasters that I really like. Um, and this Amazing. is. Amazing. If you don't like it, that's totally fine. There's no pressure. I'm so, so excited. Ooh, cool notes. Yeah. This one, um, I'm curious to see what you get from it. It's definitely, I think it leans like a little earthy. 
So, okay. which can be a bit of a, uh, some people love it, some people aren't a big fan, so. But I like having it in the Exciting. mix kind of because of that, so. Cool. Yeah. I have so many questions for you, but I can't abduct this interview. Oh my but gosh, about no, go your for coffee it. making. Yeah, please. How about it? Yeah, I mean, so you said it was like a hobby that you had. Yeah. What kind of like space do you need to roast coffee? Yeah, my roasts are small, thankfully, okay. so not a ton. Um, so for a while, I bought it. Oh man, it's like kind of a weird thing. So there, it's kind of hard to like buy a coffee roaster. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like usually really big and the one that I have is like smaller but um even that like I had to like wire transfer money through like like a sketchy you know totally like trans union or something like Western that union is yeah Western how union. I got my fake idea. <laughs> yeah exactly so it's like that and then it was like shipped in from like Taiwan so I'm like wow. maybe I just threw five thousand dollars away I don't know right um that was risky business yeah so I was like well I want to learn how to roast and like I don't know how else to do it other than just like try it myself I'm so glad you didn't get ripped off. Yeah, same. i uh very stoked that it, it showed up. Um, but basically, I bought the roaster and then just, like, learned how to do it. Um, taught myself how to do it. Sorry, so. I just have to tell you how much I love this. You like it? I love this. Awesome. I'm so stoked. Whoa. It has such a, like... It's just so, like so full. It has so much flavor. It's amazing. Yeah. I really have been ta- drinking like kind of flavorless coffee my whole <laughs> life. I'm realizing there's like so much here. Yeah. It's really this one. I think, yeah, complex is like the word that really comes out. I definitely get the earthiness. Yeah. Each taste is like a little bit different for me. But um, but yeah, it was like two years of, of roasting just on my balcony in my apartment. Um with I this roaster that. and then was like okay like literally giving coffee to people being like tell me what you think hopefully you like it so um cool. and then i got to a point where it was like i feel like it was good enough and so then i would like rent a commercial kitchen and just like roast under one of those like giant hoods cool um yeah would you get the beans so you do you source the beans and then roast them and then have yeah so it's kind of interesting because like it's like coffee from all over the world um this one's from kenya so what there is they have this like um this whole section of coffee called like green buyers uh-huh. um, and they basically work with individual farms to like import their coffee and bring it into people to be able to buy it for roasters and stuff like that cool so, yeah it comes like a little seed um and then you roast it and it looks like coffee so this is impressive this Thanks. is a lovely flavor awesome i'm so stoked i'm to excited like <laughs> to make this for my friends yeah absolutely um okay so this next it's set like of alcoholy, like in a good way. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. it has like a little bit of like a whiskey burn. Like it's it reminds me of mm. drinking like a yeah. Do you like whiskey? Whiskey neat. I, it's my go to drink. Same. I okay. love just like a whiskey on the rocks. I think that that might be like the litmus test for this coffee. Is if like you like whiskey, it's like a good that checks because I love just whiskey as it is, and yeah. this does have that kind of like body and that sting. Yeah, absolutely. That I like from whiskey. Yeah, big time. Um. So this next set of questions is I've kind of labeled it like upbringing and real talk. So okay. if um, if there's any questions you don't want to talk about, that's totally fine. Cool. We'll just cut it out. So appreciate um, it. Try not to go too um, personal or too deep, but sure. if if uh, anything is too much, I did tell you that. that is my Achilles heel. So <laughs> we will see. 
Um, okay, so in my research for this interview, um, I f- oh wait, oh yeah, okay, never mind. We're good, we're good. I was like, we already talked about this, but I was like, we weren't recording. Okay. So, um, okay, so in my research uh, for interviewing this, I kept finding that your name was Charleston on like all of like these pages. Mm-hmm. Is somebody trolling you? Like, what's going on there? Yeah, no. So the the rumors are true. That is my name. Um, I, yeah, I my mom was gonna name her daughter like something completely different wasn't expecting to have kids had a dream she had a little girl named charlie woke up and found out she was expecting me and so she was like i guess she wants to be named charlie and then my grandmother was like well we have to give her a proper southern name so they just named me charleston and i was the first one to actually go to char one of the charlestons charleston south carolina yeah um but yeah it's a place not a name but it is my (laughs) name so so we, stop correcting the docs. We can let it happen. Yeah, it's fine. It is my name. <laughs> I just don't tell. I don't advertise it very much. Right, but right. It is. It is true. Yeah. Well, I think it's cute. I love it. Thank you. Um. So when you were leading worship in church, were you able to kind of like develop your own sound or your own kind of musical identity, or was it too restrictive of a space to be able to do that? I don't even know that I was concerned with that at the time. I. But I will say. I think I really loved the drama. The the songs were really yeah. lended themselves to being like dramatic and the big tom drums and all of that was swelling really emotions. up my alley. And I think you yeah. can maybe hear it in my music. You kind of can only get so far away from where you started. <laughs> so, um, yeah, which was essentially kind of like one of the reasons I stopped was because I felt like it was like performative a little bit too much performative for the purpose of what it was supposed to be. So, um, yeah, I remember feeling like I was like manipulating people a little bit, yeah. like by being like, get in your feel. And I get, I get that it can be like a, people can do it with the right intentions, but yeah. I did feel like a little bit weird about it. So, totally. um, but yeah, the drama, that was the beginning yeah. of that. <laughs> I know. It, it's like, it's infectious. Like Oceans. I know. It's still like, I'll hear some of those song. songs that like, I don't believe anything that's yeah. in those lyrics anymore, but like, they still like, will just like They're really beautiful. hit you. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, what was your experience like leaving church? Um, Slow and quiet. Um, I was in Nashville and. I was just, I was so afraid to accept it that I I didn't believe what I used to believe. I, like, spent so much time being afraid of the moment I didn't believe anymore because I felt like I was doomed and damned. Yeah. So I, yeah, it was, like, really, I was up crying a lot. It was a lot of, of fear. And then I think when I, I realized that it just didn't make total sense to me and that it felt safe and it felt okay and that I could be good while not I don't know I think the more I realized that I was a better person because of not feeling those shame that shame and that guilt and those fears and like living in that I it just was like safer and safer to question but yeah it wasn't it's not been easy conversations either because, yeah. again, like I encur- like I said, I encourage any beliefs that anyone has as long as it's safe for them and helpful. But I've had some really difficult conversations 
with family members, like, and just, just trying to have them see both sides. Cause I can understand why it's like, and there is that kind of that thing of your loved ones being your responsibility for you, like you're responsible for their soul. Right. So I, I hate that. I have people in my life who I hate that they feel as though like their my soul is like their responsibility when it's like I am good you know yeah, yeah. and it's we can think two different things and have the exact same outcome and have the exact same approach to life you know yeah, but just yeah. the the technicalities are different like what I believe is just different right right um so yeah hard conversations but yeah totally yeah once I stopped believing in hell it was really easy yeah because I was not afraid of suffering right, anymore right so or admitting to yourself what you were feeling yeah and, it just yeah. didn't make sense and i was like okay no one's going there i'm not going there yeah it's okay totally. <laughs> you know yeah um i know that you've talked a lot about like your song cheer captain um and even like your time leading worship in some of your songs um what was it like me uh making the decision to leave that life and kind of like leave it behind you was it freeing or was it scary like I know you talked a little bit about yeah it was so scary and it was sad I like really yeah so cheer captain was about how much I I just wanted everyone to everyone around me at all times to be at peace and be I just I was d deeply a people pleaser yeah. and I didn't want to disappoint people and I felt like I could adjust my personality just so to make it easier for this person and this person and still live in my truth. And that was not true yeah. or possible. And so when I did decide to be open, it was a big shock because I had made it like so easy right. to think that I was this perfect version. Cause I just, it was like little tiny adjustments here and there where you're like, I know this person wants to hear this and they want to hear this. So I made these like small adjustments, but when I was finally like vocal, and I kind of, I, it makes me regret the years of people pleasing because it was like, mm -hmm. now there was this thing of like, you used to be like this and now you've changed and what's happened. And it's like, well, really it was slow. I just didn't show anyone right until I put out an album. And there was a great, there was a more graceful way to go about it than I even did, but I mm -hmm. didn't know what to do with those feelings. So yeah. I like, I look back a lot and I'm like, I wish I had prepared people or like been more graceful about it. But I just was feeling like desperately constrained slash opening up. I just started therapy when I definitely needed it long before that. Yeah. And so it was just all these things were coming out and I just had this like energy that had to get out. And so yeah. I, that's why I wrote Bullseye the way I did. And I like, yeah, I like always wish that it was sometimes wish it was like a little bit more of a graceful process, mm. but it. It goes the way it goes. And, yeah. and I learned a lot from it because I, yeah, I don't know that half the time people were even asking me to adjust. I just was and wanting to give them what they wanted to hear. And so right. Cheer Captain was the beginning of me realizing that and that so many avenues in my life led back to that one problem, like validation from men, validation from other people because I didn't trust my own internal validation it all led back to like is this okay with you yeah. do you find me okay mm -hmm. you know and i'm still working on it all but that yeah. was the catalyst for sure totally 
Um, I know you probably talked about this a million times, but your first interaction with Justin Vernon of Bon Iver. Mm-hmm. Um, so I won't ask you to like kind of recount that story. Um, but do you guys still keep in touch? No. Um, well, I would. Lo- yeah, I No, I haven't seen him. I like I can't wait until we run into each other at a festival or a show or something. Yeah. And I'm able to be like, hey, remember me, Bullseye? Because um, it was just, yeah, it was like a very um, serendipitous thing. I, it was, yeah, he was at the bar that I, my friends and I always went to and we would play darts. And long story short, I was like, that's Justin Vernon. I'm not going to say anything because he is a mystical figure. <laughs> and we ended up just chit-chatting though and like he asked if I wanted to play darts and yeah because he like walked in and was like I didn't meet you yet I'm Justin so he so I we started chatting and then yeah he wanted to play darts and my first two were bullseyes and so that's he was like okay bullseye and then we ended up bonding and talking about songwriting and all this stuff and then I told him I was like by the way 22 a million is like my favorite record ever and he was like oh my god you know who I am (laughs) and I was like well first of all you are wearing your own merch the second of all, <laughs> yes, I do. Wait, seriously? Yeah, but oh it was God, cool that's merch. So funny. It's cool merch. It was that's like a hilarious. cool abstract hoodie in very bony bear fashion. Yeah. So, um, and I ended up hearing the unreleased record that night. It oh, was sick. Very. It was such a crazy, crazy time. But yeah, that was a one time. I like woke up the next morning. And was like, did that happen? Yeah. Right. Will I, right. Was that real life? So yeah, we haven't recounted <laughs> it together yet. Someday. Someday. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I remember hearing at least a part of that story that you, like, part of the reason you came over was because you were talking about theology. What yeah. Were, what were you talking well, so about? So he was like, I didn't meet you. I'm Justin. He was working with, I think this other, he was recording with someone who was a Satanist, which I hadn't like learned a lot about. I didn't know a lot about. So we were just in a conversation about theology. And I remember we were just talking about like creation theory. I can't even remember. Like the night was so crazy. I just remember saying something about what I had studied because I studied a lot of theology early on when I was kind of trying to make sense of it all. Yeah. And so there was a lot of random tidbits that I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were ch- chatting and then I said this thing and he was like, that's pretty cool. You want to go play darts? Nice. And I was like, yeah. So, yeah, we had a small chit chat. I can't even remember what it was about, <laughs> but about theology. That's awesome. Yep. <laughs> um, okay. So I've heard that you talked about, obviously, uh, in a couple of your songs, how you're a people pleaser or recovering people pleaser. Yeah. Um, what are some of the things that um, you've done or do to kind of help get you out of that headspace or or work through that? I think I'm dealing with the like residuals of it right now. I think I've kind of gotten be- a lot better at protecting my energy, not being confrontational I hated Mm. confrontation for a long time I wanted to just tell people what they wanted to hear because I didn't want to disappoint people so I've worked on that because I think I've seen people living in a different way like acting being confrontational and being honest and being integral comes along with being honest and so sometimes I wasn't doing people favors by I was doing the opposite of what I wanted to do by avoiding the conflict and avoiding telling people. So I think I've gotten that a bit under control, but the trusting myself part yeah. was really difficult because it was just outside validation was telling me I was okay. And mm. that, and so I had this moment of like, well, what happens if no one's validating me? What happens if I, 
yeah, I, I just like got to a point where I didn't feel like I could just trust my own perception of it, my own intuition. I always had to use like, I would have to reminisce to try and like use previous evidence for mm. the future instead of just trusting my gut and my intuition about things. And funny enough, like the only time I've ever regretted anything in music is when I went against my intuition. Mm. Times where I was like, this isn't the right song for this or this isn't I want to take this part out but someone's telling me that it's like really catchy or whatever it is and I would go against my intuition and those are the times that I've been like I've had regrets and the yeah. only time so hmm. I use that as evidence of like well at least you can't be mad at yourself if you listen to your intuition right. and odds are it's leading you to the right place so that's what I'm currently working on is just trusting myself and knowing that it's okay like I don't need four people to tell me I'm killing it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know absolutely. and when you're an adult people stop telling you that right. you're killing it right they just you know <laughs> like you got to find your hype men but like yeah when you're a kid everyone's like you're amazing you're because yeah. it shocks them but then you're like in adulthood and you're just like I've been doing this for 10 years no one's fawning over me right now yeah. and not no one, but you know what I mean. Like right, it just right. as an adult, you have to really find your reason to do it, and it be that you believe in it. Right, know? and people probably expect you to like have it as a thing on the side and like right. doing it. So full what do you time. really do? Right, right. So yeah. yeah. Well, that's awesome. I know you've got it from here. So yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Clever. <laughs> Very clever. All right. Are you ready for our last coffee? I would love it. Um, our last coffee today is down at that end by you. Uh, it's in Ethiopia from a roaster called Partners, uh, and they're based out of New York City. Um, this one is going to be on the lighter um, side as well. Um, probably pretty fruity and maybe a little floral. I'm seeing so, the fruity yeah. notes. Oh, this is so exciting. <laughs> I am going to have the most energy <laughs> ever. Absolutely. Um these are definitely the most fabulous coffees I've ever had. That's so great to hear. I'm, I'm just so used to coffee taste. Like, it tastes like coffee. Yeah, yeah. This is... um. There's a lot to digest. Whoa, this smells interesting. Yeah. Um, this has, like, a really cool smell. Mm -hmm. What are you getting from it? Shit, I don't know. <laughs> um. <laughs> no wrong answers. It's, like, going away. It's like, mm. a, I don't know, like apple, like I'm getting like, yeah, like kind of like apple cider, crispy. Mm. Yeah, let me taste her. Yeah. Yum. It's like pancakes. Why did Ooh, I get pancakes? Oh, pancakes. That's fun. I don't know why. I like I got, them. I got it so quick. Yeah. I definitely got pancakes for some reason. I love that. So random. This is so, um, I don't know if any of these ones have it, but some of them will have, some of the bags will have like, really kind of fun and goofy tasting notes on them so like one of them had like hubba bubble bubble gum on it Stop, or like so rice krispie treats yeah so i love that you said pancakes it's like I that's a really pancakes. good one um so this next set of questions um our last set of questions are kind of on your future plans your aspirations your goals yeah um because i'm really excited to see what you put out next Thanks. um i love this new ep and like the direction you're you're taking your music thank you um so I know that you released your debut album during a weird time during yeah. the pandemic um, and didn't really get to like tour in the same traditional sense. Yeah. Um, is there 
any plans for a tour coming up for like maybe the EP or another yeah. one? I would love to as soon as it's the right fit. I'm I'm kind of I'm wanting to support someone on tour. Um and so yeah, it's kind of like what opportunities arise, but yeah, I'll be looking for um something. I I mean, I'm actively looking. I'm playing some local shows. When the album comes out, I'm sure we'll book like all major cities headlining shows and Hopefully, it's just that touring costs so much money and you have to like, I'm in album mode and I don't have unlimited resources, so I have to be like really smart about it. But um, yeah, I'm really, really itching to tour like as soon as possible. I miss it. It's like my favorite thing about music and playing for people. I'm a Leo, so. Yeah. Gotta to perform. perform. We love to perform. <laughs> My partner's a Leo. Okay, really? Yeah, okay, yeah, Leo Cancer's yeah. precious. I love that. Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Um, do you have a dream artist that you want to work with? Yes. So I haven't... I'm going to do a cover EP, mm-hmm. and it's going to be, like, all of my favorite songs, like, any song that's, like, touched me on a deep level, and um, do it in kind of my style. And so I already have, like six songs I've chosen for the first kind of batch. I want to keep doing it, but I want to get them all. I want to get as many of them to feature on it as possible. So like I have a lot of active manifestations of heroes I want to work with. I would love to write with the Weepies, my favorite lyricists of our generation. I would love to sing with Adam Duritz of The Counting Grows. I think he just sounds like he's crying when he sings, and I love that. Um, so yeah, I'm like asking everyone I know in LA if they know Adam Duritz so that we'll when that the, cover we'll comes, put the shout out for hey, him. Adam, do you want to sing? This will be for, this will be foreshadowing for when Absolutely. there is a song out. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, I'd love to tour with the 1975 yeah. favorite band They're ever. Amazing. Um, I actually made some songs with the bass player of that band. We really? like, had three weeks in the studio. It was like the coolest experience ever. And he had just started production. That's this is the first time I'm telling that out loud. Um, That's so cool. I haven't said anything about it, but because I'm, I want the music to be finished. But yeah, we, we wrote during like the end of a burnout. So there's a lot of like really emotional songs, and he and I had just like a really good time working together. So yeah, that was like part of my fulfilling of my manifestation. That's so sick. It was really cool. But yeah, wow. I would love to tour with them. Awesome. Yeah, if. If there was just like no boundaries, I would let like if if I could bring people back to life, it would be Elliot Smith. Yeah, I would give anything to write a song with Elliot Smith, but I don't feel like he would ever write a song with anyone. Hmm. It feels like he writes by himself. Yeah, you never know. Which I respect. Yeah, totally. I I will never know. Well, yeah, exactly. Unfortunately. <laughs> um, okay. I'm really interested to hear about if there's any like new sounds or genres. I also forgot. Sorry, I would love to. Huh. I want to sing with Robert Smith from The Cure. Oh yeah, that's the, yeah. That's just, I you guys have a good sound I can't sound forget together. about him. You guys have a great I sound love together. him yeah. so much. I just saw him live, and he sounds exactly like the record. Hmm. That's so. so much fun when I, I actually I went to your show, um, in yeah. L.A. Um, Stop! Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was kind of like hiding in the back, taking Stop. notes. Um, oh my god! And you, I like that was one of the things that really impressed me. I was like, oh my gosh, she sounds exactly like you do on the record. Oh, thanks. So that was such cool. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, I love when artists can do that. Yeah, it's so impressive because yeah. I'm like, oh wow, there's like especially so when much they're here. older, like Robert Smith. Yeah, he just yeah, I don't know how, but he sounds gorgeous. Still. Yeah, 
and he's so cool and nice (laughs) so i want to work with him nice um are there any new like sounds or genres that you want to explore in your music yeah definitely i i don't know i think i've like dabbled in a lot of them i the ep was me kind of like exploring the slowcore influences i have but i think from now on i don't have much i don't have like a really like i don't feel very like limited by genre because i just with this album my goal is just to make like beautiful music that is like that's nice to listen to yeah and um and so yeah i think i'll be tapping into like all kinds of influences that i yeah that I haven't really gotten to. I I don't know what I've been missing. I I think um I think I'm curious to see how some of these like newer influences that are more like electronic and things like that those translate live cuz I've always played mm. with a band. That's yeah. kind of what I'm excited to try and do is like play a show with not just guitars and and like perform it and yeah that's gonna be a new endeavor for sure it's a lot to add into the yeah so yeah Yeah, i think it's just that my music is getting more and more genreless like as i go along i think at the beginning it was a little bit dreamy 80s due to like people i was working with and stuff like that and and what i was listening to but yeah it's it's like leaning more and more like vague and broad and in like a way that's i just want to make like have each song be its own energy and mood that's so cool. Yeah. I love that. Um, if you could kind of plot out your dream career for the next 10 years, what would that look like? Ooh. Like what are some big milestones, highlights along the way? Definitely open for the Counting Crows, open for the Cure. Yeah. I would love to just like open for legacy bands that I love. That huh. would be such an honor and that would be really cool. That's always been a goal of mine is, um, yeah, and then, you know, best new or you know best new album at the grammys would be cool um or album of the year that's what i meant i'd like to win the album of the year no i'm just kidding i just want to yeah that's i mean the goals are like i was like interviewing myself for like jimmy fallon when i was a kid i like just always (laughs) wanted to do all of it but um so my dreams are Kind of cliche, but yeah, I just, um, my like main priority is that I want to just tour and like connect with people. That's like my whole entire sole purpose in this life, I feel like, is just connecting with people. It's my yeah. favorite thing to do. So as long as I'm getting to do that without um, going in the red too much because <laughs> of how much it costs these days. Yeah. Um, as long as I am like financially able to tour and able to like connect and play my music for people, I'm stoked. That's awesome. Um, there's just yeah, like we talked about some like dream venues and festivals and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah. I love that. Yeah, mostly just playing shows. I have some like landmark shows I want to play. Yeah. And bands I want to open up for just so I can like sit in the audience afterwards <laughs> and be like. Ah. <laughs> Absolutely. You know? It's gonna be such a surreal experience. Um, I know. I can't wait. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> Sorry, this is a little bit of a long intro, but um, <laughs> I love it. When you released Bullseye, you said uh, quotation marks here. Uh, I hope people feel like they have 
the space to look internally. Um, I hope that my brash openness will make them feel more welcome to dig deep and think about the patterns that they might be in or the people that hurt them and just give themselves the space to check in with themselves. Um, I think that undoubtedly you achieved that goal with that oh, album. Um, I can speak from personal experience, um, experiencing that album for myself. Um, but I'm curious, like, what do you want for this new EP? What do you hope that people come away with? Mm. I, that's such a good question. Um, I think it's like a, a bit more of a nuanced record than like Bullseye, where Bullseye was kind of like, this is my experience and this is how I feel and this is my story. Um, high achieve. High Achiever, I just kind of was trying to make people like me feel seen who are maybe not the overachiever type who just kind of want to, like, experience life. I just kind of want it to be comforting, really, I think, more than anything, because with I've Got It From Here just being, like, comforting. That song was essentially meant to be comforting to my mother who was worried about me and as mothers do and it was supposed to be tell her be telling her that there's nothing to be scared of but I think inadvertently like I was telling myself and I was telling other people now that that life is just going to throw what it does at you and you carry things that you didn't choose to carry but that ever that um I don't know that they feel seen and comforted by it is the main goal I guess yeah high achievers to make people like me feel seen in that sense that just want to vibe <laughs> really that's kind of the yeah. energy of that song is that I just want to vibe um yeah I think it I want it to just comfort people and I wanted to just show people where I think I'm headed with the music and yeah I think it does that I feel like it's kind of like a charcuterie board of the album of yeah. what's about to come well, I'm so excited for it and definitely comforting in that album. I can Thanks. absolutely feel that. So Thanks. And yeah, like the first cheesy, like happy songs I've ever written, which was like, that was a big moment for me. First time ever yeah. doing that. And so it feels fitting that it was on that EP. I love it. Yeah. Um, last question that I ask everybody who comes on the show, um, Charlie Adams, what makes you feel most alive? Going to a city, a mountain city, and pretending like I'm in a movie, <laughs> essentially. Amazing. That's true. And like, yeah, music and pretending I'm in a movie. Fantastic. Yeah. We all need to do that more, I think. I do. I think so, too. <laughs> I think so, too. Amazing. When you feel like you're chronically online, just like go put headphones in and walk around. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, that's it. That's our show. Um, what would you like to, to plug? What would you like to share with the people? Um... Yeah, my EP, Nothing to Be Scared Of, is out now. I put it out in August. It is the newest love of my life until the album comes out that we're working on. So stay tuned for shows. Um, I'm on Instagram as Charlie Adams. That's where I exist most. So <laughs> other than in Mountain Cities pretending I'm in a movie. So, um, yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you again for coming on the show. Thanks. This was so much fun. This was such a great time. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I um, love all the coffees. Yeah. You're you're a craftsman. I mean, well, the bag needs some work. <laughs> I think it's but. gorgeous. It's rustic. <laughs> it's compostable. That's why it's kind of ugly. <laughs> but <laughs> I love that. It's so much more important yeah. than the design. Someday we'll have a pretty compostable bag. We love Earth. I know. <laughs>
Awesome. Well, thanks again. That was so fun. Look at us. Oh my gosh, it's beautiful. Miranda's gonna be like, girl. <laughs> <laughs>